Hello, everyone. Welcome to Reiki Radio. I am your host, Yolanda. And today we are going to talk all about relationships, which is a pretty meaty topic, of course, because all of us have them, whether romantic, friendships, relationships with our siblings, whatever they may be. We are interconnected in so many ways, and our relationships are one of the biggest highlights of life, right? I mean, they are the experiences that bring us so much joy, and they're also the experiences that can be most challenging for us. But either way it goes, relationship is like one of the main focal points of all of our lives, whether we realize it or not. And then outside of the relationship with others in this beautiful web of interconnectedness, we have the crown jewel, which is our relationship with ourselves. So whether you are in a space of trying to work on healing the relationship with yourself, deepening your connection with yourself, or also working on your relationships with those in your life. Today's guest is going to provide some information that I'm sure will speak to you in so many ways. So today we have Guy Finley, and he is the best-selling author of more than 45 books and audio albums on self-realization, including The Secret of Letting Go, The Essential Laws of Fearless Living, and his brand new book, which we will discuss today, Relationship Magic, Waking Up Together. Now, Guy is such a beautiful spirit. I had an opportunity to speak with him a few months before we actually did the interview. And as you will see, he has some beautiful insights about this topic, but overall just, you know, awakening to our true nature, our spiritual path. And he is the founder and director of Life Learning Foundation, which is a nonprofit center for spiritual discovery located in Southern Oregon, where he gives talks three times each week. And Guy is a faculty member at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, also 1440 Multiversity, and is a regular expert contributor to BeliefNet and the Huffington Post. So for more information about this book that we're going to discuss today, you can visit relationshipmagicbook.com and you might want to grab something to write with. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm sure there will be some things that strike you. So let's welcome Guy to the podcast and enjoy the show. everyone so welcome to Reiki Radio we have a special guest today Guy Finley who is the author of Relationship Magic which is the book we will be talking about today so first Guy I do want to welcome you to the show and thank you for being here it is my pleasure Yolanda yeah well before we get into this book which I just want to say for those watching on YouTube or listening on the podcast um, I honestly thought I, I didn't know what to expect about a book about relationships but I will say from the start I didn't expect it to be so amazing that I, I literally highlighted almost every page so I just want to put that out there first this book is amazing <laughs> I really enjoyed it um, but I would love for you to share with us a little bit about you I know you are an international spiritual teacher you have written over 45 books and audios that you've put out um, in the realm of spiritual awakening and self-realization. So could you tell us a little bit about what even got you on this path of sharing in the way that you do now? Whatever I would say would be a lie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a clue. I was born this way. I mean, from the age of like six or seven years old, I just had these uh, intimations in those days. There's no way to know what the heck's going on. And then uh, around the age of 12, without going into detail, I, don't, I think, at this point anyway, I had some uh, 
you know, I don't know what you'd call them, uh, mystical, uh, religious, uh, incredibly spiritual experiences. Again, befuddled my mind, but not enough so that I wouldn't write down some of the stuff that happened because I knew it was weird. Uh, and then I'll be 70 in, on the 22nd of February, and here I am, whatever that is, 58 years later, and it's all starting to come together. I'm, I'm starting to understand the, the, the longing. I'm starting to understand the dissatisfaction. I'm starting to understand the contradictions. And most importantly of all, I'm beginning to understand that there was a relationship that I couldn't see or understand behind all of that, that essentially acted as an unseen guide uh, all, all the way to where I'm saying hello to you. Beautiful. Okay. Well, you know, it's interesting that you say that because it seems a lot of people, no matter where we end up, what our paths lead to, I mean, it is kind of like just this um, following and the unseen forces that you say is very interesting because you even speak about some unseen forces in this book. So considering all that you have written about over the years and all that you've helped people to, you know, guide them in their path of their self-awakening, even though it's kind of revealed in this book, I want to ask, why relationships? What made you write a book about relationships? First, it is relationships are the single greatest unrecognized spiritual resource in the universe. Everything is relationship, or said the reverse, Without relationship, there's nothing. <laughs> there's no you, there's no me, there's no trees, there's no sun. Everything is relationship. Right. And, uh, while all of my other works to date have been about sort of uh, specific aspects of relationships, you know, letting go, uh, living in presence, in the fullness of a moment, um, making contact with one's essential uh, being, all of these targeted areas of relationship left a sort of gaping hole in, well, okay, for those of us that are interested in the idea that, uh, uh, that, it, that, the, that, of, that it's wise to seek immortality because time defeats all other ambitions, as a great man I used to know uh, said, that, that, well, how do, I, how do I do this right now? I'm not interested in having my mind tweaked and feeling triumphant for 10 minutes because I read something. I'm not interested in having a deep meditation whose effect lasts until I burn my toast. You know, I, these aren't the things I'm interested in anymore. I want to know hands-on what it is that we are here for and to do with ourselves and each other that produces the kind of consistent, conscious change that eventually foments a much deeper relationship with what could be called the divine, which is, in, in my opinion, the ultimate reason for all relationships as a kind of pathway leading us to a deeper, more everlasting relationship. It's really interesting you say that. A lot of what you just shared reminds me of the chapter um, in the book, The Tao of Love, and really looking at exactly what you said. I mean, nothing would exist without relationship and those opposing forces. And um, what comes together when we blend the two reminds me a lot of, you know, alchemy in a way. But um, one of the things I was wondering about this, and even what you just shared, is the title alone relationship magic? So two parts to this question. What is the magic aspect of this about? And also, who is this book for? Because I think a lot of people would assume that it's couples only, but I mean, in reading it, I don't think so, but I'll ask you. <laughs> I'll start backwards. Okay. We're all coupled to this world. We're coupled to each other. 
We're coupled to the people that we resist, that we resent. We're coupled to those people that help us realize ourselves through what we would call positivity. So we're coupled whether we like it or not. And that's the beauty of relationship, is that through relationships with those that bring out what we could call the best in us, everything's perfect. I can't spend enough time with you. I can't touch you enough. I can't see you enough. And that relationship we all know pretty well is the, is the, the woo-hoo first stage. But there's also those relationships that bring out not the best of us, but the rest of us. The parts of us that have been summarily concealed because they're not uh, wanted by us and they're certainly not accepted by the world. So we have to pretend in so many different ways to be tolerant and kind and compassionate. And the way we know we're pretending is that when the straw comes on the camel's back, by the way, the camel in the old languages represented the nefesh, the, the, the old nature, not, not the spiritual, not the ruach adonai, not the true spirit, but the physical, the soul of the body, so to speak. When the straw hits the camel's back, camel turns into a raging runaway creature, and then all my compassion and sweetness runs down the, the road with it. So the idea that we are brought together indicates, if we can see it, that we're brought together for a much larger purpose than we can even first guess at. Because first, I, I think I'm drawn together to you because you're here to fulfill my life. You're, you're the bee's knees. You're going to make everything work. I'm complete with you. That's why we're drawn together. But we're not drawn together for that. That's the early stages. Those are the initial um, excitements of a, of a partnership. But in the end, we're drawn together so that we can discover through each other what it is that's living in us that's keeping us from being truly loving, compassionate, kind people. Not when condition allows, but almost to the contrary, that when conditions challenge the image of oneself, the whole image can be used in a completely different relationship with awareness so that there's a transformation that takes place. So that's the first part. The second part. First part is this. What's the magic? I just described it to you. <laughs> the magic is that there's something that lives in us that can turn the straw that breaks the camel's back into a beautiful, ornate saddle that allows us to use the lower nature to be transported to a different level of being through relationship with one another. Simple example. Uh, most of my life, I was a very, and probably remain, arrogant, in, uh, impatient person. I had no idea that I was arrogant or impatient. No one who's arrogant or impatient knows they're arrogant or impatient. By the way, neither of which those characteristics do much to produce a very perfected relationship. However, one day, and I can even think of instances, I can think of one when I was 18 years old that, that, that actually changed my life. Suddenly, I see it. I never knew that. I never knew that all I liked to talk about was myself. I never knew that every conversation started with the most important pronoun in the world. And it wasn't you, it was I. And that without any reason, I thought everything in the world belonged to me and ought to. And anything that isn't given to me is the fault of someone else. Which, by the way, is called being a narcissist. Then one day, by the grace of God, something happens and you see a nature that you couldn't see before. Now, if I couldn't see this nature that's impatient, arrogant, spell it out, whatever you want, full of self-doubt, you know, uh, self-hating, addicted, if I can't see that, is there any chance anything can change? It can't. All conditions do is validate that nature that sees everything 
outside of itself through the eyes of what it needs to prove that it is what it imagines itself to be. So if I'm imagining myself to be a certain kind of person, and then relationships come along, as they do, and the relationships turn out to be negative or only last a certain amount of time, and I always part ways wanting to punish the person who I believe just never understood me, and then one day, OMG, in the truest sense of the words, oh my God, I didn't know. And that's magic. Because I don't try to change myself. Something shows me a self I mistook as being me. And in the awareness, in the revelation of something that was concealed in me, I'm released from it because at last I realized this thing that I thought was me, and by the way, glorious, and completely right in finding everyone else wrong, is absolutely seen as something I can't continue being. Not because the impetus isn't still there, but because at last, I get it, the impetus has never been mine. It always belonged to this unconscious conflict, this nature that could do nothing with these opposing forces that give creation its existence, and in turn, turn me into an instrument of its unconscious force. So that's magic. And it's not just magic between me and my wife, between me and the students at the foundation, me and the world, me and the, the gas station attendant who would rather smoke a cigarette for 10 minutes while I'm waiting to get gas. We know the drill, you know, the guy that rushes up behind you at 100 miles an hour. And then you pull over so he can pass and then he slows down. I mean, every last one of these relationships with, with my, uh, the antagonism I feel towards any opposing ideology, political party, any of those things produce a relationship. Can I use those things to see where the limitation isn't in the opposing party, but that something in me opposes anything that doesn't match what it believes it's supposed to be supported by? Again, magic and to the point, conducive to all change in relationships with everyone everywhere. Well, that's what I think was so interesting and I guess even to say shocking about this book because I went into it with the assumption, and it's interesting because even the expectations and assumptions and relationships that I'll ask you about, but I thought it was going to be just about I don't know, the nature of relationships like romantic partnerships, these things, yeah, 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 yeah. when really the essence of this book is, uh, for me, what it really highlighted is how the nature of all of the different relationships we have really help us to wake up to ourselves and yes. help us to do that spiritual work of revealing our own true nature. And I, you know, I don't know that I've read a relationship book that spoke about them in that way. So it is very interesting that this really is what jumps off of the pages. And you got another, it. another thing I have to say to you too, I was telling a friend about this book. And I'm like, one, it's so easy to read because it sounds like you're talking directly to the reader. And then you have these amazing question and answers at the end that kind of recap everything. And you ask all the questions that all of us have asked in relationships. So one of the ones, oh, go ahead, I'm sorry. Well, it's just, you're so spot on. See, waking up together doesn't mean waking up in the morning and there's my wife next to me. Waking up together means that you and I and every human being on this planet are in it together. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that there's been a relationship book like that, but lastly and quickly, so you can go on. The real subtitle, before my publisher decided to use my second suggestion, was The Endless Journey of Love, because that's what the book is about. The Endless Journey of Love, how we are brought along a certain set of relationships whose sole purpose is not to provide us with happiness and joy because we have someone for 10 minutes that gets, you know, that tweaks us but so that every relationship serves to wake us up 
to this beautiful divine life that brings us together so we can learn about it. So you, you've nailed it, Yolanda. That's exactly what this book is. Now, please go on. Yeah, I mean, and I, another thing just came up before I'm asking what I was going to ask you. I have to point out the stories and the examples that you give too. Like I found myself laughing and having all of these aha moments and I could really see myself in the different characters of the examples you gave. But the one that really struck, well, several of them did, but one that stands out in this moment was the story about the man and wife and they were kind of drifting apart. And then when he decided not to eat the cooking and she walked in and he was about to put the cookie in his mouth. And I, and it really highlighted um, how interesting it is and how common it is that we find ourselves in these situations where it's a total misunderstanding of what the other person's intention is and their point of view. And we just can't see it in the moment because of our own upset, our own whatever may be going on. So one of the things I have to ask you, and I'm sure people want to know about relationships, how do we deal with, you know, those triggers and those patterns that we find ourselves in again and again, relationship after relationship? What is it pointing to? If you remember in the book, prior to that, particular story, I believe, in fact, I know for sure. I recounted the story from, uh, of course, I blocked on it. Uh, show me, not show me the money. Tom Cruise and oh, uh, yes. Jerry Maguire. Jerry Maguire. Right. And how there was a much deeper meaning, even if the person who wrote the story of Jerry Maguire didn't see it, of how the reason that she completed him and he completed her was because when they first met, they were drawn together by a certain kind of love, and it's too deep to get into this, but he saw her as the way to get through a difficult time. She'll be my secretary. No one else is going with me. Uh, Jerry Maguire is a sports agent. He got fired for writing a beautiful manifesto about how everything should be fair. And then he turns out to get punished for it. And she goes with him because he convinces her, alluding that there's this deeper feeling. And she's a mother without a, uh, with a child without a father. And she's looking at him as a kind of father figure meal ticket to get her through this difficult patch. So you have two people in trouble, facing difficulties, neither one of which knows the other person is looking at them as the rescuing agent. <laughs> this is life. This is how we get stuck. So, so through the story, and I'll get to your question, through the story, he finally gets to see through another uh, uh, Cuba Gooding Jr., my, one of my favorite actors, he and his wife have an actual loving relationship. And, and she's more concerned with his health and their finance, all the rest of that. He sees this and, and it hits him. I, 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 I'd asked her to marry me and uh, I, didn't, I didn't really love her. I just needed someone to get through this time. And she said yes to get through this time. So he saw his own character because of her. She saw her character because of him this limitation. When the limitation was revealed, Jerry is complete. He's now a more integrated man. She sees the limitation of the false belief that without a man, she's nothing. She's released of that false idea. She's more integrated. They're both more complete and more complete human beings complete one another. So we have this wonderful win-win hidden inside of this you complete me business. Now, to the story. Underneath that story, you ask me, well, how do I get there? How do I get to the point where my husband or my wife catches me 
with my hand in the proverbial cookie jar, whatever that means. And they'd had a bad day, and they only know to, to dump on me. And I've always blamed them for dumping on me, never even suspecting that no one dumps on another human being without the one doing the dumping being in pain, period. I'm negative towards you because I'm in pain. And my mind is telling me somehow you are responsible for this pain. But this pain was there before you showed up. But when you show up, it's convenient because you've got the cookie in your hand. You promised you'd stop eating. I don't know that you were about to throw the thing down because you love me. All I see is some place to download all of this darkness that's been growing in me because of some posting on Facebook or whatever. At last he sees. You know what? <clears throat> we have been in this same situation a thousand times. You blame me. <clears throat> I've turned around and blamed you. We fight. We have makeup sex. We go on a trip someplace. We make a plan. We decide to have a kid because that'll tie us together. Bad idea. And, and, and the next thing you know, we're in this pattern you're talking about. How do we shatter the pattern? Albert Einstein, I believe it was he that said this, the sure act of insanity is to repeat the same, the same action and expect a different outcome. Now we know that without thinking, it's common sense. Why if I keep doing the same thing, am I gonna get a different result? I'm not. The only reason I think I'm gonna get a different result is because when I'm blaming you, I'm pretty sure that if I pour it on, you're going to turn around and become what I want you to be. Doesn't work. I resist you, you resist me. You've got two people resisting one another. The pressure increases. We don't change others by resisting them. So if you're ready for the secret ingredient, take a deep breath. We, most of us don't know this, and for good reason. The original meaning, I mean the ancient meaning of the word patience, is to suffer myself. The last thing I ever do, I suffer you. I don't suffer myself. And the reason I suffer you is because I think you're the one making me impatient. You're not making me impatient. You're showing me an unconscious body of thought, of conditioned experience that has come around in such a way so hidden that it has expectations of a ceaseless nature. And anyone who doesn't live up to my demands or expectations is an idiot. There's something wrong with you for not being what I expect you to be. And I expect you to forgive me. I expect you to say I'm right. I expect you to apologize. I expect you to say I'm wrong, but I'll never say I'm wrong or maybe I didn't get it. Why? Because in the moment of that impatience, which belongs to this unconscious nature, everything about me sees you as the source of my pain. And my pain is not because of you. My pain is because I've been brought into that moment with a particular developed character unseen in my consciousness that cannot wait to act and call itself me. If I can be patient, Yolanda, suffer myself. I don't know if you know scripture. Paul, St. Paul, no, it was actually Christ, I think. In, my, in, my, in, your, in, my, in your patience, possess ye your soul. In your patience, possess ye your soul. What are they saying? I must not only allow this awakening to take place, but when what is concealed is revealed, I must allow the healing to take place by the condition that produced the revelation. Love is the teacher. When the student's ready, teacher appears. Guess what? Every moment is that moment of relationship. If we can learn to be patient in the manifestation of this unconscious nature, the light of awareness that reveals the, the limitation shows it to us as being a limitation. And then we want to change 
instead of trying to change our partner so we stop experiencing the limitation. You know, gosh, and this is why I have so many highlights in this book. I mean, really, truly, what you're saying right now, it reminds me of how, I mean, woven all throughout the book in so many ways, it really also points to our responsibility, right? Because no one can do this but us. And while the relationships give us beautiful, you know, mirrors and triggers and show us, reveal to us that unseen nature, we still have to do the work and have that admission of like, whoa, this is my stuff. So that's my next question for you, because a lot of people, you know, just like you point out in the book, we do want to say it's you, it's your fault. Your stuff is what bothers me. What do you say or how can people allow themselves to go, it's okay for me to do the work, even if the other person isn't necessarily there yet? Great question. An important question. It, it goes deep. Why am I here? <laughs> Is it so I can drive a nice car? Is it so I can get pumped up because people think I'm cool? Is it to go see some monument in Spain? Scuba dive with great white sharks? I mean, all this is cool and enriching experiences. But the enrichment of an individual experience <clears throat> does nothing to change the perceiver of that experience. And this is what, for a sincere aspirant, someone who wants to know the nature of love that isn't dependent upon something else outside of us, brings us to that point where <clears throat> I'll just cut to the chase. I've never known what to do with my pain. I've never known. I watched mom and dad. Dad drank. Mom played cards. My relatives traveled and ate themselves into oblivion. The world shops and buys stuff they don't need and can't afford. Everyone's constantly distracting themselves through the next relationship through the next enemy, which this world provides at the drop of a hat, and all essentially because we don't understand to the real point here that this reaction that I have, this pain, this perturbation that comes up and wants to find an enemy to punish, that's not me. I've always taken it to be me because I saw everybody else take it to be themselves. The ugly duckling story. I don't know that I'm not that duckling. I don't know that this pain that I'm convinced I'm not supposed to have. Aren't you convinced there's not supposed to be any pain in your life, no disturbances, and if they happen to turn up, certainly not my fault. You did it. I wouldn't be negative if you weren't negative. You stop being negative, I'll stop being negative. What if that negativity is a very specific kind of force, which it is, that has a very distinct purpose when it appears in my life. And if the purpose of that negativity, that anger, that upset, is in fact to help me understand that it belongs to, and we can call it what, I will, what we will. When I was young, for instance, true story, uh, my, my father was actually Time Magazine Man of the Year. He, I was raised in an incredibly successful family, but my father, God bless his soul, he's gone. Um, as sweet as he was, he was a fruitcake. He thought the idea, he thought that the way to make people love him was to give away a lot of money. And I don't mean in philanthropy, I mean tip, tip his way to the top, you know, whatever that was. And that was his kind of his mindset. <clears throat> so. I'd be living as I was in a mansion someplace in Beverly Hills, and I'd bring a friend over to have a sandwich after school, and my mother would start crying because we were in the refrigerator. 
And I go, what? Well, you, you can't bring people over here to eat. Now, she couldn't tell me that she married a nut. She knew I wouldn't understand that he'd squandered their money and that she was barely surviving in a mansion. What a pain. So here I am in, growing up like this, and I can't get new pants where I go to school and everybody's wearing tailored pants. So my pants are too short. They don't break at the, at the shoe, you know? Insanity. And I'm brought up thinking I'm less than my friends because I don't have the right kind of pants on. Because my mother couldn't drive a new car. She drove a 58 Oldsmobile right through like 12 years of life. And, everybody, and I'd asked to be dropped off someplace else besides school with God as my witness. Now, can you imagine the pain that child's in? And we're all in that pain. Because as we grow up, those tendencies, that character of that experience, it goes with us. So when we walk into a party, we're not really looking at people. We're looking at ourselves, wondering if we match, if we fit, if we're in the right place, doing the right thing. And that's why appearance becomes more important than being. Sorry to go on so long like this, Yolanda, but it's so critical to what we're talking about because until I meet that character that at its time served a very distinct purpose, it got me through. But getting through life is not the same as letting life take me to where it intends to take me. So we have these parts of ourselves that have gotten us to this moment. And now the moment the teacher comes and says, Guy, that really doesn't work anymore. That, that feeling of being inadequate, that feeling that you're not enough, the feeling that your partner is responsible for your sorrow because they're not supporting the image you, all that. It brought you here, but it's time to die to that. Literally, time to die to that. But I can't die to it, which is the magic, until something shows me, you know what, guy, this thing's useless, man. This anger, it maybe got you through that tough time where you were going to this and that and the other. But now it's a limitation. It destroys everything that comes into contact with it. If I see it, the concealed is revealed. When it's revealed, it's healed by the nature that showed it. And sometimes the nature of the moment we don't want, which again, Christian terms, love thine enemies. Something shows me something I don't want to see. But if I see it, what showed it to me isn't my enemy. My partner's not my enemy because they push a button. My partner is helping me see I got buttons galore. I got more buttons than I got sense. So, so we learn to be appreciative. Not that we go, oh, this is beautiful, man. That is down the road. Eventually, you actually start to understand. Thank you. I didn't know that about myself. What could be more valuable than this revelation? It's bitter. The truth is bitter, but it heals. But, but eventually, you, you get it. Life continues because life is the expression of God's life to show you what you need to see so you can be more united inwardly and more in line with what is divine. I'm done. <laughs> oh, no, that was so good. And it's interesting listening to that. And because um, I, I, I'm very visual, so it's like I'm imagining everything that you're saying. So I'm imagining this young um, boy and what you shared. And what really struck me and what stood out is compassion, right? Because um, a lot of times when we do have our triggers or that unseen force that starts to reveal itself, I think because we oftentimes don't have compassion for ourselves, and then that's what makes it even uglier in a lot of ways, and then the lashing out happens because we don't stop to examine and even consider to be nurturing to ourselves or have that understanding, like you said, that then that served a purpose, but it's that understanding and that compassion, I think that probably would make this process easier when we are wanting to go like, no, mm -mm, no, can't be me. It has to be you. Um, but one of the things you just said towards the end, I have to ask you about as well are the buttons because you <laughs> point out in one part of the book, that we tend to look at how someone pushes our buttons and you highlight, well, you have buttons to be pushed. And that's really the point is that you yeah. actually have buttons. Yeah. yeah. And I thought that was so, I mean, you know, 
it's such a good book. But so I wanted to know if you could um, share a little bit about that and the importance of, you know, recognizing that in ourselves, that we actually have buttons and what that means in terms of relationship with ourselves and anyone else, really. First, again, this world that we live in, it's kind of upside down, to say the least. But it's not upside down because the world is upside down. It's upside down because you and I, our understanding of ourselves is upside down. Maybe as an example, uh, again, a true story from my past. Uh, when I was, uh, I don't know, I guess I was 19 or 20, I, I, I had uh, I'd begun to be successful in the music business, but I wasn't really successful. Meanwhile, my friends, one was Dino Martin. He's died. He's dead now. Dean Martin's kid. He, he flew an F-16 into a mountainside as in the reserve. He was jet pilot. Actually, I don't, I don't know if he took his own life. I don't know. He wasn't a happy camper, but he crashed in it. And, and, and my other friend, I won't name him, who's, who's now a vice president at a movie studio somewhere down in Los Angeles, I'm sitting at home, <laughs> God is my witness. And my, one of them says, uh, hey, Dino and I are going out for a moment. We'll be back in about an hour. You want to go? I said, no, I want to go. All right. An hour later, swear to God, <clears throat> two Ferraris, a yellow and silver one, pull in the driveway. And they just went and bought Ferraris. <laughs> <laughs> Now, to highlight this, because we signed, we, my partner and I were the first white rock artist to sign with Motown Records. Wow. I had bought myself a new uh, Datsun 240Z. It was $3,000 back then, and I was pumped. It was sitting in the driveway. <laughs> you know where this story's going. These two Ferraris pull in, and I, I thought I was going to die. And I felt so jealous and inadequate and, and so, you know, why me? Listen, try to get this. Why me? I'm living in a beautiful home. I have a contract as a composer and performer with Motown Records, the fulfillment of my dreams, and two cars pull in a driveway and everything's gone. That happens to us all the time. That relationship back then, I couldn't understand how to use it. I wasn't developed enough. But now I get it. We are brought into this world and bring with us right in through time these ideas and images about ourselves. And when those two Ferraris pulled in, it pushed the jealousy button. It pushed the button called, I'm not equal to these boys, even though they're my friends. It pushed, now what am I going to do? So naturally, did I go out there, God help me, and say to them, God, those, you know, I actually did this. Oh, that's fantastic. What a wonderful thing. I love, I love your cars, and inwardly, I'm on fire. Now, did they set a fire in me? Or did I have the kindling? The event was simply the match, not the fire. The match was the relationship between what the moment wanted to show me about Guy who believed that he was entitled to everything anyone else is entitled to, which, by the way, the world is definitely promoting these days. God help this planet. And so instead of being, and, and it makes, I, I'm, today I'm, I'm not the same, but I, I'm, I'm, I am so sorry for the way that I was when I was a boy. So many things that could have been and should have been otherwise, but to the point of our conversation, have become the very grist for the mill so that the wheat is separated from the chaff. I don't know how we think wheat gets separated from the chaff unless the moment beats on us, <laughs> you know? There's gotta be a threshing. There's gotta be that which cuts off what no longer serves the body, not only the physical body, 
but the spiritual body and then the greater body called humanity. And unless all that's allowed to take place so that these buttons are revealed as not the proof of my power, but the evidence of a limitation that I take with me into every relationship, then limitation becomes what I glorify instead of letting love show me and should be glorified for, re for revealing the limitation. And that's what we're working towards. How can I be grateful for the revelation instead of resisting it when it comes? That is huge. And again, I mean, when you were saying that, it reminded me of the parallel with even, you know, some of the relationships are in similar to what we're talking about a little earlier, but even the comparison, right? So listening to that, I'm like, wow, wow, that's amazing. Like how great. And then something, just that moment of comparison and then your joy was gone, even though there was still so much to be grateful for. And it's like, wait, what? And right. we, and that is also, you know, we do that a lot in our relationships. Like there's so much to be grateful for, so much beauty in that. And just one little thing sets it off and it's like, everything's out the window. What? Yeah. So um, <laughs> I want to make sure because we only have about 10 minutes left. And again, I mean, this book, I would say from reading it, I personally think it's for anyone who really wants to work on their self-development. I mean, just connect with their higher nature, their higher self, anyone who wants to heal themselves. Yes. There are so many things that you point out in this book that are just, I mean, just beautiful in the way you did it. I have to say really quickly too, one of my favorite stories was the one about the minor. I won't tell the story. I won't give it away. Cause I wasn't expecting that ending when he went digging for the stone. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, great story. Um, but anyway, so I mean, this, it really is a beautiful book. And I can see how, of course, it would really support relationship as well. But really, it highlights the relationship with ourselves and getting to know those different aspects of who we are, and making that difference or understanding this nature that isn't our true self. Yeah. And and making the conscious choice and effort to move more toward that more loving aspect, the unconditional love in these things. So yeah, Relationship Magic, it really is a magical book. But I wanted to ask you about your um, online wisdom school, because you do have the Life of Learning Center. And after reading this, I was thinking like, gosh, well, how can I continue to learn from this man? So can you share with us what the Online Wisdom School is and different ways that people can connect with your work? I appreciate the opportunity, Linda, but and, and I must take advantage of it. But before I do, I have to say something about what you just said. Lots of us have been in relationships and have been crushed by them. I was, again, uh, you know, very distinct um, conviction on my part that I'm never going to be hurt like that again as long as I live. Pure and simple. Now, the fact is, I didn't resolve that. A 19-year-old boy did, who didn't know that his life didn't depend upon this woman being there. He thought his entire existence was wrapped up into someone by the name of Debbie. You know, that was what he thought. And when Debbie betrayed the, the love, the loyalty, because I'm like a puppy dog, uh, I wanted to die. I literally wanted to die. And I swore I'd never be hurt again. Now imagine, take that into three or four relationships. And without knowing it, we go into relationships suspicious. We actually bring with us something that looks for moments where the past may repeat itself. Now, what in God's name in a man or a woman would look for something that upon seeing it would poison whatever possibility their relationships have? So to this point, this book is not just about the world and people who are in love or have partners. This is a book that can help us regain the capacity to have a partnership with another human being. So it's sort of all three aspects of that. All right, so. <clears throat> wisdom. Uh, 
yes, let's go school. But with what you just said, it reminded me of, and I wish, I mean, God, I have too many things highlighted to find it, but there was um, something that you said in here, and it, it pretty much pointed to the fact that, you know, these reactions and these things that we do, I mean, it is just coming from the fear of being hurt, really. Right. And when we do have that understanding, I think of ourselves, but in our partners and everyone that we interact with as well, again, I think it can bring us back to that lens of compassion and understanding the fears and this um, unseen force that all of us are contending with. That's right. So. And, then, and then you add to that the fact love doesn't hurt. We don't have to be geniuses. My mind will say, oh, no, you're wrong. I was hurt by love. No, you weren't hurt by love. Love helped you see something that was literally suspended there waiting to be hurt. Some way in which you were fully dependent, fully identified, fully convinced that this should never be like this again. And here comes the moment. Oh, love, love hurt me. Love unites. It doesn't separate. Love doesn't blame. Love integrates. So we have a new understanding at the heart of this book by which we can begin to see these things through the eyes, what I call in the book, a new set of eyes. Another topic, another day. <clears throat> to the point, wisdom school. Um, I, you know, I, we, my foundation, we have like, you know, 100,000 people around the world who are interested in these ideas and who we are in daily, con weekly contact with through a meditation, a, a an email that we send free. Everything at my foundation costs almost nothing because that's how I was raised by my teacher. So we wanted to establish a way in which these men and women could work together online to continue the study of these ideas because it's not just a question of acknowledging things. We have to act the knowledge. To act the knowledge, we have to be immersed in it. <clears throat> so we developed an online wisdom school where two times a week, Men and women from all over the world gather together online and study a video that was live streamed the week before that I gave from the center, from my foundation. And then you have the week to study the ideas. And then there's two full days of an engagement discussing the ideas. Most of the groups are led by older students of mine, but once a month, I, I host the study group and talk to people from all over the world about what they're learning. We also have a Facebook Live that belongs to the Wisdom School. And once a month on that, on Saturdays, we have an open discussion where everyone around the world chimes in and we talk to each other. So we've got all these wonderful things tied into the Wisdom School. And now the Wisdom School, the basic, the, the, you, less than a mocha a month. Nothing, my foundation, I talk three or four times a week, $3 at the door. No one's ever turned away, nothing to join. So we have the Wisdom School. We have my foundation in Southern Oregon. Once a year at the summer solstice, we have talks in the pines. Men and women from all over the world come in and we have five days or three days if a person can only spend the weekend where we have an immersion. We, ha we have t talks, meditations, discussions, breakout groups, a really deep, um, dive into these ideas. And this year is going to be um, about deepening our relationship with the divine. That's what the talks in the pines are going to be about. And then a holiday, blah, blah, blah. Lots of good stuff. If you go to one, relationshipmagicbook.com, one word, relationshipmagicbook.com. You can find out about the book. And if you get the book through that website, you get three free gifts. You get the audio version of the book, Audible, that I read. You get a, a three-hour webinar, a Q&A session on the material, and you get a 60-minute MP3 on the nature of higher love. So you get a bunch of really good gifts when you go through relationshipmagicbook.com. If, on the other hand, you don't want to go there and you just want to see my site, go to Guy Finley, G-U-I-F-I-N-L-E-Y.org. And right on the homepage there, you can get the free, the weekly meditations, some other gifts that my foundation gives to introduce you to this. And the only other thing I got to say, because it's new, 
and I never thought I would say this as long as I lived. I am, <laughs> I know, I am now posting once a day a one-minute video on Instagram. It's fed over to the Facebook page and Twitter, but one-minute videos every day on a topic related to relationships, discovery, responsibility, and Instagram. So I'm now encouraging people. I know I can't believe I'm saying this. <laughs> I'm such an old dog. But, you know, you have to take the teachings where the teachings have to go. So I'm on Instagram, and you can follow me on these other social. Yes, and I found your Instagram, and just so people are sure, it's Guy underscore Finley. Yes, that's on, on Instagram, yeah. Right. That's it. I got, I got nothing else to promote. <laughs> no, I mean, well, the thing about it is, I mean, you really do, and if people, you know, the beauty is, because I did download the, um, the additional material with relationship magic so i would recommend ordering it through that site relationshipmagicbook.com because one it's nice to have the audios even though i've read it the physical book i do plan to listen to it in the car um just because you know we ingest things differently that way oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. um and then just the bonus material is great to have because you do i mean i just love your method of storytelling even that's what i have i this book was so easy to read and I love that you, you, it's constantly like building one chapter builds on the next and you do a really good job of tying and weaving it all together to make sure we really get the message. And so I don't know. Do you know what why? Huh. Do you know why? Do you know <laughs> why it seems like that? Because mm -hmm. every story, every character in every story and every chapter is the further revelation of what you already know is true about you. The high, the low, the deep, the dark, the light, the beautiful, all of that. One revelation that love makes possible. So all these books do, any real book, is introduce the person to what they have yet to understand about themselves completely. And so the book completes the understanding by letting you see, you know what, I'm, I'm the hero and the anti-hero in this chapter. I am the one who sees it, and I'm the one who's blind in this chapter. It's all me, and yet all of it brings about this fruition that basically know the truth, and it sets you free. Yes. Yeah. And again, I mean, listen, we could talk about this book for weeks. I mean, that's just how beautiful the content is. And I have to tell you, Guy, I really am thankful that you came on to have this discussion with us and i'm sure people will get a lot from this book but also going to your site that's what i wanted to point out the guyfamily.org as well there's so much that you offer i mean it's just i mean very generous and useful that's the thing i mean it's not just some crap i mean these are things that we can all use to really you know work on our stuff and heal ourselves and our spiritual development so thank you there is years of free material at guyfinley.org, literally. Right. Yeah. So thank you so much for all that you do. And thank you so much for being here today. And of course, I will have all of the links of how to contact you, how to get relationship magic in the show description. So thank you, Guy. I loved our time together. Maybe we have to do it again. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Bye. Okay, so... That was the interview with Guy Finley, and I want to thank Guy again for coming onto the podcast and sharing his insights with us. And I want to encourage you as well, if you are interested in reading this book, absolutely go to his website, relationshipmagicbook.com, so that you can also access the audio version as well as some bonus content that he provides. Um... Yeah, I mean, there's just so much in this book. I literally, I highlighted almost every page because there was so much in here that resonated with me, resonated with experiences that I've had, and I had a lot of aha moments. And what you'll find is that Guy really does have a beautiful way of explaining what seems to confuse us, you know, but we didn't get into all of the topics in the book, but one of the things I wanted to share with you that is most common, which is in the book, is he speaks to how we break certain patterns in relationships. He speaks to how we deal with 
you know, pointing the finger, whether it's us pointing the finger at our partner, them pointing it at us, how to deal with those buttons that are pushed through, like the things that aggravate us, even the things that we may have liked in the beginning that start to annoy us later. But he also talks about how to deal with when love seems to fade. And that's a very common um, issue that people seem to face. So there's a lot of beautiful gems in this book, Relationship Magic. And you can learn more about his work at GuyFinley.org. But again, I would order the book from RelationshipMagicBook.com just so you get those extra goodies. And as always, I would love to hear your thoughts, what comes up for you. If you do read the book, please let me know. You can share with me on Facebook, which is facebook.com forward slash T Reiki. That's T-E-A Reiki, which stands for the Energetic Alchemist. Or you can reach me on Instagram, go to my website, theenergeticalchemist.com. And while you're there, if you sign up for the newsletter, you get access to 22 days of transformation, which will also support you in your journey. So I thank you all as always for being here and remember to always journey in love.